Hello, it's me, Lockdown's Catherine Ryan, formerly of television, gymnast, raconteur, number one wife. And today, I would like to speak about sexual fetishes. I don't speak enough about sex on telling everybody everything. And that is because, contrary to popular opinion, I get a lot of Twitter messages. People confuse me for a dominatrix because I speak with authority. I have a really alpha job. They translate that into, oh, there's someone who will step on my balls for money. And you're not wrong at this point. There's not a lot of work coming in. And depending on the amount of money, there's really nothing I wouldn't do. But no, I don't enjoy beating people up for sex. Like I, I don't, I don't understand fetishes is what I'm trying to say. I am a very vanilla lover, a lazy shag as they are called. Sexual fetishes have been presented to me in my life and I know we're supposed to be very sex positive. You don't want to kink shame someone, but if I could speak freely as a citizen, personally, I think everything is gross. This is why Bobby Kay and I get along so much. We are two nerds in love. I am finished with the relationships where I was supposed to try this and do that and be okay with the, ugh. I mean, I've been with some fucking deviants in my life. There's no other way to say it. The daddy thing, why? Why does everyone either want me to crush them or to shrink myself to a position where I'm like, yes, daddy, no, daddy, whatever you say, daddy. It's sickening. I was in a relationship where every success I got at work made me nervous because I knew that there was some like sick sexual punishment coming afterwards where he would have to get the power back from me again. My message is this. Don't force anything you want to do on anyone else. That goes without saying. But equally, don't let someone shame you for not wanting to experiment with their kooky nonsense. Because I've been there and I said, oh, all right, okay, well, I'll just bend a little into, I mean, figuratively and literally, I'll, I'll just try to make you happy. And it made me deeply unhappy. Never again. Don't compromise with your precious vagina or indeed any other orifice that you may have. And you don't let anybody do any sketchy shit to it. I was taken advantage of by an inflatophiliac. I have mentioned this story on a few panel shows in short form, but it's a much longer story and I'd like to tell it today. But in the absence of any true experience with fetishes, I'm going to call the freakiest person I know. And that's Carrie Ryan, my sister. Oh, hi. Where are you? In the bedroom. Perfect place to be, because this week I'm talking about sexual fetishes, and I thought, who better to call than you? I know all about the sexual fetishes. That makes one of us. I would like to know what sexual fetishes have been pitched to you in your um, adult lifetime. No one I've been with has been super cray. You are the crazy one. Um, yeah, that's true. Uh, I won't do anal, ever. Good for you. That is an exit only hole. I have colitis. It's a dangerous game to play that I haven't tried playing. <laughs> I was thinking that even though I was really vanilla and I had no experience with any of this weird stuff, that you would have led a very colorful lifestyle. Or just like choking and hair pulling and... Oh, yeah, just... You know, just the 
storm, stuff like that. Um, people have asked for threesomes. People have um, asked for threesomes. Yeah, just like out at bars when Alan and I are dancing with one another. They think we're a freaky couple. So men ask to come home with you guys or women? Both. Oh, no. We've always said no. That's just like nothing that we've gotten into. People ask to take a video of Alan like urinating on me. What? Yeah. Why? Where? Who are these people? I don't know what the fascination with urine is. I'll, I'll never understand it. Um, I've never got it. I had a girlfriend that worked at a rub and tug. And this one guy would hire all the girls that were working that day to go in and, like, throw their shoes at him and yell at him and spit on him while he was beating himself off. Oh, God. See, I've, I suspect, as someone who does not have any type of urine fetish, I think it's to do with fluid, and I think men want to produce a lot of fluid and some of them just have like a like a little whisper of cum like a little dusting that's probably due to over ejaculation yeah and then so pee is probably an alternative or maybe they are not capable of making women climax and so they think pee is a suitable alternative i don't know like a placebo i don't know the reason behind it but there's just a lot of different things about it here's the thing at the end of the day if you and your partner are comfortable enough to do any of that together and discuss it and feel safe, that's cool. No, it but isn't. And let me tell you why. Because I know we're not supposed to kink shame. We're supposed to be very positive. Adults can do what, 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 what. No. Because there's a huge amount of laundry involved in peeing on one another. And that affects the climate that I have to live in. Not in the shower. Fine. Did you ever see the documentary Tickled? Uh, no, but I'll watch it because I hate being tickled more than anything in the world. Oh, I grab or something punch me in the face. You don't understand. This is the greatest documentary that I've ever seen. It's about, it is a, uh, allegedly a woman who's trying to get high school wrestlers to enter tickling competitions. And the boys don't know that they're being exploited in this way. They're paid all this money and they think tickling, all right. And they tickle each other. They sit on each other. And they're too naive and too vulnerable and poor. You know, they need the money in these small American towns. And then they end up on all these sexual fetish websites about, like, it's sort of BDSM control stuff, but they didn't know. I don't want to, like, spoil the whole thing, but, I mean, I sort of just have. But you could see where it was going, tickled. I wouldn't even want to watch that now. No, you have to watch it. Why wouldn't you want to watch it now? Because, like, I hate being tickled, and I hate, like, that feeling of not being in control. Right. I think people grossly underestimate what a lazy shag I truly am. I'm not doing anything. Never, never am I going to put on a leather outfit. Never. I don't even own a whip. Actually, I do. I own like some horse equipment, but I wouldn't use it. I wouldn't waste it on a man. I'm not putting heels on at home in bed. I'm not doing any of it. And I mean any of it. No. And I think that's perfectly fair. You're the starfish, but everyone, people like the starfish too. I'm not exactly a starfish. I mean, I'll get up once in a while. What else? What other kinky things have you heard about? Fuck all. I mean, I know about cuckolding. Certain people want to see their wife banged by someone else. Nah, yeah. Listen, if my man can't get me off, 
I don't need him. I can do it by myself. <laughs> well, what if you need him, like, you know, as a second income or to take the bins out or for his sparkling conversation? Then I'll get a roommate. <laughs> Smart. I dated someone who was into all the kinks. I sent this man countless naked photos of myself because he demanded them. Like, he would send them to me of himself, types of photos I never wanted to see in my life. If I could be so bold as to say, without offending anyone, they were quite, like, homosexually charged, erotic, gay photos. I don't know how to describe it. Like, just the type of photos that I think some of my gay guy friends would maybe want to see, but not photos that any woman I've ever met on this planet would ever want to see. And then if I didn't respond, because I never, I was always so humiliated. I was like, ugh. He would get so angry that I didn't respond. And he'd be like, you have to send me a photo. And I was like, oh God, I wanted to like keep him happy. So I would send these photos. I always counted on him being a true piece of shit. I thought he would have shared them by now, like leaked them somewhere. And I almost wish I had sent him more photos. I need this guy to leak the photos because I looked so hot at this time. I was stressed out. I was muscular, really perky little bum. I had my original fake boobs. Leak the photos. What are you waiting for? Here's the most messed up. Like, I will never be able to wrap my head around dick pics. First of all, we don't want to see them. We don't love the penis. We love the owner of the penis. Those things are not attractive. Secondly, if a girl has to take four to five to 12 selfies to decide which one to post on, like, the best angle, best lighting, how many pictures do you think they're taking of their wiener before they're like, yep, that's the one. They're taking one photo flaccid over the toilet. <laughs> Light your penis. Use a little bit of contouring, concealer. Your penis could use a highlight, you know? Really make that, like, head pop. And take the bottles out of the equation. Or just send the balls. Like, send, send each ball. It's three photos that I'm looking for. Right ball, left <laughs> ball, shaft, like a treasure hunt. You have to put it together to decide which is which. And like a jigsaw puzzle. The asshole. There is something in my marriage. I'm kind of annoyed that I've never seen Bobby's asshole. I'm not attracted. Like, I don't want to see it for a sexual purpose. I just feel angry that he's supposed to be my best friend. And there's something I don't know about him. I'm not, I'm, you know what? I've never seen Alan's asshole. And I'm quite okay with that. You need to see it. We've been married for five years, and I'm not interested in seeing his asshole. Well, he's hiding something from you, then. He's not hiding something from me if I'm not looking for it. <laughs> well, I also had a boyfriend who would wax his bum, which, like, no one asked him to do. Fine, he's doing it for himself. Cool. But I would walk in sometimes and catch him, no lie, bent over, looking back into the mirror, just gazing into his own asshole. Bad thing is, I know exactly who that is. Not a picture I want to have in my head. But it's also not a surprise. Uh, it's not a surprise. That's why I knew exactly who it was. Like, that's a whole new level of narcissism where you're like, I'm going to spend a few minutes a day just gazing into my own asshole. All right, well, sorry to blindside you with these horrific questions, and I'm glad to hear that you are a lot more vanilla than I thought. More like a vanilla milkshake with a little bit of cinnamon. <laughs> okay. Have a great day. Love you. Bye. Bye. Jesus. The most important thing, if you have a kink, is not to thrust it upon someone else without their consent. My first experience with a fetishist 
was what's known as an inflatophiliac. I know this now. It means a sexual arousal related to balloons or latex, like just bits of your body inflating. I already know that this podcast will be, you know, sent across the inflatophiliac community. And I already know from posts that they've made that they're looking for photos of me on inflatophiliac websites from when I was 20 years old. Let me tell you how those photos got there. I'm from a small town. It's called Sarnia. I've spoken about it before. It's like the benzene petrochemical capital of Canada. There's even a town near us called Petrolia. And people are like, That's, it's totally safe for the kids. It has the word petrol in it. Oh, Petrolia. It kind of sounds nice though. Like, ooh, if you called it Benzania, it wouldn't sound so nice. Yeah, poison. Anyway, I moved to the big city for university. And in university, I had to pay my own way. I loved the graft of living in the big city, going to Ryerson for urban and regional planning. I decided to get a job at Hooters. I was actually walking to a different bar, but I got lost. And I saw this orange beacon in the sky, Hooters. And I thought, if I worked at Hooters, I would already be at work by now. And I wanted to be the lovely submissive cheerleader that everybody liked. I was a provocative person. Nobody liked me in the small town. They still don't. A few weeks go by and the telephone rings. This was a landline. I hop up on the bar and I answer. Thank you for calling Hooters downtown. Catherine speaking. How can I help you? I've always loved answering the phone. My mother had a rule, even when we were three years old, if we could answer the phone properly, then we were allowed to answer the phone. It was a great privilege to answer the phone. I jumped at the opportunity and the man on the other end said, hi, this is Kevin Ross calling from KBB 1.3, whatever. He had a radio voice and he said he was from the local radio station. And I remember he said his name was Kevin Ross. And he said, we're running a competition. You can win $300 if you can figure out how to inflate your pantyhose. He pitched it like a challenge. I believed his radio voice. It was radio quality. I mean, if I could say anything wonderful about this man, should be on the radio. He was not actually on the radio. And I loved the challenge. I always was looking for the next thing to like tickle my brain. And I thought, yes, I can inflate my pantyhose. I know what I'll do. I'll take clear bin bags and I'll push them down, you know, my uniform pantyhose that we would wear under our orange shorts and um, trainers and socks. I'll push those two bags down to each one of my legs, the toe, and then I'll inflate it at the waist with a bicycle pump. This will be brilliant. I can do it. I can win $300, which was loads of money to me. I went to my manager. I said, guess what? The radio station's on and they want me to inflate my pantyhose. My manager straight away shut it down. No. I said, but Mike, I can never, he said, Catherine, no. Oh, so I had to go back to the phone. I said, I'm sorry, Kevin Ross, I'm not allowed. And he said, well, don't worry if your manager is not allowing you to do this. You can give me your mobile number and you can do it as a private citizen. You don't have to be in your Hooters uniform after all. I mean, his pref was that I was in the Hooters uniform, but now we know why. And I said, oh, really, Kevin Ross? Thank you so much. You're such a nice guy. See, I was so naive at the time. I was also working at an after hours nightclub. They were open from midnight until seven in the morning, and I had no idea for weeks that they were taking class A drugs there. I just thought everybody was really thirsty and loved to dance. 
oh, these people are great, effervescent, exuberant. They don't even drink alcohol. They tip me well. Until one day, someone tipped me a white bag of cocaine. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm going full NCIVS or whatever it's called. You know, the police show. I thought, I'm going to investigate this place. The owner's going to be so proud of me when I figure out what's going on. And so I looked around and I was observant. All of a sudden, I see loads of people are doing drugs. This is why the manager wanted me to keep the bar so clean. People were taking cocaine or ecstasy or MDMA or one of one of the drugs left, right, and center. So I gather my information, my cash out that evening. I go to the owner or manager and I say, guess what? This is going to blow your mind. And it's maybe going to ruin your morning. But I have to tell you, people are abusing drugs in this bar. And I got fired. (laughs) He was like, yeah, I know. So I was a naive young woman. I give Kevin Ross my number. He rings me as soon as I finish my shift. And he's like, hey, it's me again, Kevin Ross. Uh, You're back in your flat now. Hopefully you figured out a way to inflate your pantyhose. I said, yes, Kevin Ross, I have. He said, well, when you do, get your roommate to take a picture of you and you send it to my email, which was a Hotmail account, not a branded radio station account, but no bother. I had my eyes on the prize, $300 and a challenge. I inflated these pantyhose the way that I had envisioned And they looked ridiculous. There was nothing sexual about it. I just looked like the big, like Michelin man, like a big marshmallow. I had huge inflated legs and just like a t-shirt. And I was making some goony face like, hey, my roommate came in to take the photo. And she's like, Catherine, I think something's very wrong here. I was like, no. I send the photo to the Hotmail and then he rings me back and he says, great photo. You've done an excellent job. Now, actually, you can win another $300 if you can get your roommate involved. I convinced my roommate to take these photos too. So now we are both taking pantyhose photos and sending them in again. Excellent news. We're getting $600. Now he says, oh, girls, calls us back. Girls, you've done an incredible job. I need you to narrate what it was like to inflate each other's pantyhose. And we're going to play it live on air for this challenge. I'm still thinking that this is a real challenge happening on a Canadian radio station. (laughs) I say to my roommate, okay, we've got to write this script. You know, he gave us pointers. You're inflating my pantyhose so tight. I'm floating. I'm floating up to the ceiling. I hope I don't pop all this weird dialogue about hydraulics and air pressure. And of course, I wanted to nail it. I was going to be on the radio. I might be discovered by a Hollywood agent. So I was really (laughs) diving deep on these like inflatophilia just narratives, not even knowing that I was a subject of a sexual scam. Kevin Ross gets other characters involved. He says, I'm going to pass you over to my assistant, Jen McDonald. Jen McDonald, I now know, does not exist, but it was an imaginary woman who would take pictures of her own pantyhose inflated to give me more pantyhose inflato inspo. What he had clearly done, if you are a young person or just any person, any naive idiot like I was listening to this podcast, what people on the internet can do is fool one person and then use the materials from that one fooled person to then pose as a whole new person and use a wider net to catch more 
gullible fish. And this is clearly what happened with Jen McDonald. I'm sure my photos were then used as the new Jen McDonald to lure some poor girl in. It gave me a sense of trust. It gave me a sense of combativeness because I was like, wow, Jen's pantyhose are inflated even larger than mine. This man had me down at the petrol station doing field trips, inflating my pantyhose with the, you know, the electric pump that you put quarters in that inflates tires. People, Canadians, wonderful, friendly Canadians would be walking by and seeing this idiot teenager naked from the waist down, but in pantyhose, inflating them at a petrol station, just imagine what scars that would leave on the general public. I just thought, this is hilarious. By now I've racked up all this money with my flatmate. We are rich. We did more voice recordings from him. It went on and on. My roommate, who was trepidatious from the start, she said, Catherine, no money has arrived. You've given this man your address. I've been listening to the radio and I've yet to hear our segment. I march down to the radio station to collect my winnings. I go into the reception and there's a woman who worked there and I said, hi, I've been working with Kevin Ross doing the inflated pantyhose challenge and I'm just here to find out, you know, what's happening with my winnings. And she hung her head, picked up the intercom, pressed a button and said, Steve, we've got another one. Kevin Ross had been running this scam on women all across the GTA. I go home. I call Kevin Ross. I said, Kevin Ross, this is a scam from the start and we're not sending you any more photos. And Kevin said to me, yes, you will, because I know where you live. You sent me your address for where the money should be posted. And your Hooters manager forbade you from doing this pantyhose challenge, but you went ahead and did it anyway. So I'll send all the photos to him and you'll lose your job. So now I'm in this blackmail situation where Kevin Ross is going to get me fired from Hooters if I don't keep sending photos. He's going to come to my house. I don't know what's going to happen. I called the police. They were very nice, really sexy men. Came to chat to me in my room and they said, yeah, your pictures are going to be on these websites. I, you know, in the past he hasn't actually approached any of these women. I think you're pretty safe. Just don't contact him again. Block his number. So it is a happy ending. I got to keep my job at Hooters for a while. I was, I was fired shortly thereafter for writing club sandwiches, not seals on the chalkboard at what was a very sensitive political time in Canada. If you're going to have a fetish, you can't, trick people into participating in it. It's just the same as any other type of sexual assault. Kevin Ross slash Jen McDonald. I mean, I'm not mad anymore because I have a funny story out of it. And I mean, honestly, if you want to jerk off to photos like that, God bless you. Go ahead. I, I don't even feel that violated. Oh yeah. And then I did a dance as Nicki Minaj for comic relief. And it was sort of social commentary on plastic surgery and how a lot of these celebrities are getting their boobs enlarged and their bums enlarged. And they just look quite hyper-sexualized with the surgery out there. So I had this inflating bum. You won't believe who got in touch through my Facebook. Kevin Ross. He said, Catherine, nice to see you're still inflating yourself. So, I mean, he is around. He might be working under a different alias. Hopefully he has met a really nice balloon woman who enjoys inflating her arms and legs for sexual gratification. But ladies, gentlemen, 
don't get duped like I did. You think it would never happen to you. I sound like an idiot in this story, but I'm just a a girl with big dreams and an open heart. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time for the emails. Time for the emails. Thank you so much for writing me these emails. This one is from Moira, who's got relationship anxiety. Catherine, I've been with my boyfriend for nearly a year and a half. It's my first relationship. I really do love him, but I'm scared my anxiety and jealousy is going to make me self-sabotage. He's given me no reason at all to doubt him, but I guess because of my own insecurities, I get jealous of him talking to girls. I know it's irrational since I too have guy friends. How can I get rid of this anxiety and overthinking in my head? Well, one thing is for certain. What you seek, you shall find. If you have anxiety about him talking to other girls and you think you might be pushing him away or self-sabotaging, then you most certainly are. There's a difference between healthy pining for someone and actual control and jealousy, and you just can't have it. Do you know what, Moira? I made a promise to myself many years ago that if I ever had the impulse to check a partner's phone, then that was not the partner for me, and I would just end it right there and then. But hey, the good news is, this is your first relationship. Take it as a freaking crash course, a practice relationship, And don't ever settle for a relationship that you're not 100% comfortable in. Maybe it will come with age. Maybe it will come with someone new. Good luck. Another email. This one's from Lindsay. Hi, Catherine. I had a bad breakup about three years ago. I found out my then-boyfriend of seven years, who I thought I'd be with forever, was sleeping with someone else whilst living with me at my parents' house. What? I've never felt so worthless in my life until I came back to reality and realized which one is actually worthless. Yes, Lindsay. I'm fine now. I'm so much stronger and happier. I've bought my own home. Lindsay! Do you know, in this day and age, owning your own home is very rare and is such an achievement. So just take a pause there and congratulate yourself for that. You're safe now. You own a home. You will always have security. Well done. Life is pretty good. She continues, I'm still single. I've had flings here and there, but not another boyfriend. I do feel the pressure sometimes to have one. I'm 27 and all my girlfriends are getting married, having kids, buying houses. I feel kind of left behind and like this is never going to happen for me. Oh God. I don't know how to feel about any of this. What to do? Do I trust that things will still happen for me? Yes, Lindsay. Here's what one of my very good friends said to me when I was in a terrible relationship. 
you are in a different position. You're single and you're wondering if you'll ever be happy. I was in a relationship and wondering if I needed to lock it down because I wouldn't get another relationship. Do you know what I mean? So it's kind of the same logic. I thought, am I ever going to find true love? Is this the best that I will get? And my friend said to me, what if I promised you that five years from now, you would have everything you wanted and you would be happy and settled and, you know, satisfied in your career, whatever it is that you want. Imagine five years from now, you could be guaranteed that you would have it. Would you change the way you're living right now? And I said, yes, I would leave this utter waste man, this absolute trash of a person. Yes, 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 I would. And I eventually did. But you are only 27. I know you feel like, you know, that is an adult age because you've purchased a house. I would say this is the time in your life when you can really grow to be the best that you can be to attract that other person who is the best version of themselves. You have such stability, such security. And let's say you do meet him and he's the perfect person. And you you will. You're in no rush, by the way. When all that happens, all of a sudden there's someone in your house and they want to watch different programs than you do. And sometimes they make a mess and they don't clear their toothpaste out of the sink. And then maybe you have children and then maybe you get a dog. Your life will become more hectic. So just, I promise you, you will have everything you want in five years. Cherish these times, Lindsay. This one's from a man. Hi, Catherine. My name's Dave. I'm a 30-year-old first-time father and I have a one-year-old daughter. So far, I'm not too modest to say that I have fucking smashed parenting out of the park. I beat postnatal depression, something I was never told impacted men. What? Dave? Men get postnatal depression? Hang on, let's just put a pin in that. I suppose they would. Because you get all, I mean, I believe that, yes, they do, if you say they do. But I believe that the men I've spoken to, they get this existential dread when they have a baby and they think, oh my gosh, my life is changing. Your your endorphins go up because all of a sudden you love this little helpless being more than you've ever loved anything in your life. And you think about career and you think about, it's a real game changer, isn't it, Dave? And thank you for highlighting that because... I genuinely didn't know that. Okay. So, good for you. If any other men have battled postnatal depression, do let me know because I'm interested in this. And my daughter is a beautiful, intelligent child who is perhaps the most amazing creature on this planet. Well, that's my daughter, Dave, and you are not. I mean, unless you really pulled a fast one on me. We have different children, but I appreciate that yours is probably pretty good as well. However, now I'm slightly scared. She's growing from a baby into this little person with her own personality. I want to make sure I raise her right into a strong, fierce, independent woman, but I'm terrified I make mistakes and somehow damage her. Everyone tells me this is normal for a first-time parent to worry about, but no one offers advice to a clueless man on how to raise a daughter. Uh, yes, I do. Dave, I do that till I'm blue in the face. And I fancy you after this letter, so I'm not going to yell at you anymore, but I mean, I am right here. As someone that many consider a strong, badass woman and who has raised a daughter who's a badass woman, what advice would you give me for raising a daughter? Oh, well, I feel the same as you, Dave, in that lately my daughter is entering 
a new phase. This is the thing about parenting is you have to reinvent yourself every day because their milestones come so quickly and they change so fast. I don't think I'm as good a parent now as I was when she was one. And I have definitely made mistakes along the way. Okay. As a blanket statement, Dave, I love that you're thinking ahead and that you want to raise this badass woman, but you need to just relax and enjoy the ride because you need to take care of your own mental health as well. The best thing that she can have is a really competent, calm, happy dad. And if you've had postnatal depression before, I mean, it feels like your anxiety is spiraling just a little bit. A lot of it is already done. I think the first year of life is really important. You say you've nailed it. As long as she knows that you are a soft place to land when she falls and you are ambitious in your own life and you love her and you're there to support whomever she grows into, then I think that is the most fertile soil for raising a strong, big, beautiful orchid. And there's not a lot else you can do. I hate to say it. You see all the time these families who have like 10 kids who grew up in the same household with the same parents and each sibling is different. So just pour as much love and attention and enjoy your time with her as you can right now. Set a good example for her. Be a strong, badass man yourself. Um, always be honest with her. And I think you've got one kick-ass lady on your hands. Here's another one from Denise. Hi, Catherine. I'd like to share the hell I'm living in at the moment. Oh, no, Denise. By way of screenshots with my neighbor and his sex-screaming side chick. Oh, no, don't send me screenshots of this. I always thought I had this nice couple living next door and she was shit at parking, but I didn't hold it against her. I certainly would not have wished this situation on her or me. Just the week before lockdown, I was rudely woken at 3 a.m. by... You have been texting her, smashing noises, and no, I have not been texting her. You get the picture. She moved out, and she was never to be seen again. Oh, yes, one week later, an extremely loud female laugh could be heard next door, and that confirmed for me that, yes, indeed, he had been texting her, and the loudest sex moans from a woman that you'd ever heard. As I live with my daughter, it was like sitting down and watching porn together. Not cool. I had a reasonable relationship with the neighbor, even snogged him in a bar one night when we were both single. Cringe moment. I sent him a Facebook message just telling him that we were hearing it and I asked if he could keep it down. If that was me, I'd be embarrassed. I would probably need a disguise to leave the house. Weeks go by. The noises do not get better. By now, myself and my daughter are both trying to work from home, hearing these new relationship sex noises all day. Further messages were sent to my neighbor. By this time, I've sent him a third one. All politeness for me has gone out the window, as you can imagine. And I literally cannot wait to see how this pans out. She's now created a vacancy. And this guy cheats on everybody. So far, the police have been out to them. And he's unfriended me off Facebook and parks his car to take up two spaces on purpose now because he's a massive twat. Oh my gosh, Denise. What has this man got that's got all the women in the neighborhood so horny? He's got... Two women, both a girlfriend and a side chick that he was texting, and he snogged you at a bar. What does he have, some type of diamond balls? Who is this man? Are you living next door to Drake? What has this man got? All right, let's see the screenshots. <laughs> she saved them as dirty dog. Any chance of her being a bit quieter? We can hear her in every single room. Ew, and he's like acknowledged it. Really sorry, will do. Hi, we're both working from home. It's so loud. Can she be a bit quieter? 
Sorry, just seen this. I'll keep her quiet. Sorry again. Ugh. Okay, now he writes, I really don't see what your problem is. We weren't being disrespectful. It, it's dinner time, not an ungodly hour. Well, guess what? Why don't you take your D out of the side chick and have some freaking dinner? You both must be hungry. In regards to calling the police, I will just move in. Be here 24-7. I don't take to threats too kindly. We weren't really loud. Just do the mature thing and move rooms or turn your TV up. You're turning this into a big issue. Oh, this is the girl now. You're texting with the side, the new girlfriend. How did you get her number? As you can imagine, being stuck in isn't helping matters. You only need to not be so loud. You choose to be that loud. That's not a lot to ask. And can I just side with you right now, Denise? No woman needs to be that loud. We know you're faking it. He knows you're faking it. Just be quiet. Like, we've all been penetrated and you're being a bad neighbor during lockdown. Okay. And now she writes, I'm aware it can be unpleasant to hear. Since your first message, we've been quite aware and we've been a lot quieter. I really don't want to cause any conflict or issues. I know you're working from home. We've worked around it. It's not something we're doing to purposely upset you. It's also weird that you snogged this guy. It's so weird that you were now conversing with the loud sexual partner, new girlfriend, and you knew the old girlfriend, but also you have sexted him. Don't talk past the clothes. You have entangled yourself with these neighbors. You are texting with the guy you snogged and you are now texting with his new girlfriend. You've made your point. I think leave it. You don't need to be texting them anymore. I worry that this performative sex that everyone can hear in the neighborhood is a kink of its own. Maybe it is a fetish. And every time you complain, they're somehow getting off on it. I, I sort of think like the man at least seems proud in his texts. And maybe the girlfriend, who knows what she's been told about you. I'm sure he mentioned, oh, you know, she's just jealous. We snogged at a bar one night. I think she might be performative, perhaps for your sake. So this is a honeymoon thing. I think a lot of people have really heightened emotions during lockdown. As soon as these two get let out of the house, they're going to stop having sex so much. All right. And that day is coming soon. So keep your chin up, keep your headphones on and just power through what's the British way. Keep calm and carry on, Denise. I know you can do it. And at least someone's getting laid. She's going to just, she's going to dry up, but it's going to be, she's, he's going to start fires in her labia before long if he doesn't quit it. So, I mean, they're going to be their own worst enemies before long, Denise. Don't you worry. Thank you so much for listening. I especially enjoyed your emails this week. Sorry if I didn't get to read yours out. I just do a couple every time. You can always write me a letter telling everybody everything at gmail.com. And I'll see you soon. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. 
you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.